0: Welcome to Timothy Eden Memorial Church, a place for life. Connect, participate, celebrate. This morning, news has come forward to everyone that Archbishop Desmond Tutu has died. And for all of those whose lives were touched by Desmond, and for the nation of South Africa in particular, I say, Lala Ngoxolo, rest in peace, Desmond. And in his memory, I dedicate this sermon. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, it is only in and through the power of your Holy Spirit that you speak to us. Without your Spirit, our words are like a clanging cymbal or a noisy drum. But with the power of your Holy Spirit, your Word becomes life for us. May my then, words then speak from your spirit, and may you speak to us this day through Christ our Lord. Amen. It was forty years, twenty two days. And about 11 months when I sat down and relaxed, having preached my first Christmas Day sermon. I did so in the beautiful village of River John in Nova Scotia. And I remember going back to the manse, which was an old sea captain's home with four or maybe even five bedrooms and I was alone. According to Environment Canada, the temperature that day was minus 26 degrees Celsius and I sat by the fire. The wind was howling off the Northumberland Straits. So leaky was my house that the pages of the sermon that I had were blowing along the hallway, even though the doors and the windows were closed. But I felt warm, and I felt good. I had, for the first time, proclaimed the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ, my Lord. And this is my last sermon as a United Church minister in a United Church congregation and I do so under sad setting and with nobody present except for our musicians. I received some comfort though yesterday from a ministerial colleague in Nova Scotia and he said, Andrew as predicted your preaching would empty churches forever. Oh, how my friends and colleagues were right. But I know that deep down in their love for me too, they feel for this moment. But between that very first sermon in River John and this very last sermon here at Timothy, I can honestly say to you that my faith has not diminished. That I believe with the same passion that I did then, that the coming of Jesus Christ changes the world. And I cannot think of a moment in my ministry where I have ever doubted his sovereignty, his love. I have doubted myself, I have doubted at times the church, even universal. But I have never doubted the Lord and Savior whom I proclaim. And I have been blessed. And I have been honored to proclaim him in so many places. I have proclaimed him in universities and lecture halls. I have proclaimed him in small villages in northern New Brunswick and Prince Edward Island and Nova Scotia. I have preached him in cathedrals of the great cities of Canada. I have proclaimed him in a revolution church in Concord, Massachusetts. I have proclaimed him at an ecumenical church in Santiago, Chile. I have proclaimed him in my hometown of Haslingdon in Lancashire, England. I have preached him in my church where I grew up in Bermuda at their 113th anniversary. I have preached sometimes on the streets and have conducted services even for homeless people. I have been able to preach him before senators, before governors, and before the lowly and the lost and the hurting. I have preached him in moments of death and profound sadness, many in here when we've lost loved ones. I have preached him in Cape Town. I have preached him in so many places. And I am honored. I am honored to have done this not because at any point have I ever felt that preaching is actually about me. And in fact, for all preachers, I think those who are sincere will say it is never about them. It is always about the Lord whom we proclaim and the God whom we adore and if and when accolades have come our way, and if people have decided to bestow gifts upon us, or have given us praise, I am reminded of the words, yes, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who in Tegel Prison wrote these words, and I have never forgotten them. Any honors that come our way are only stolen from Him, to whom alone they really belong, the Lord who sent us. All honors come from the Lord who sent us. And it is precisely because of the conviction of the Lordship of that Jesus, and the belief and the commitment that regardless of whether or not my ministry has been successful or a failure, has reached the heights or the lowest points, has been through, in a sense, a very broken jar at times. I know that it is his call and his call alone that has moved me and has inspired me and thinking about words that I can leave you today lasting words I turn to inspiration from none other than the inaugural service of the United Church of Canada. It was in 1925 that the United Church of Canada was created and I have had here the inaugural service on my bookshelves for the last 40 years. And in the prayer that was said by the moderator, constituting the General Council of the United Church, it had these words as its opening. God Almighty, Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who loved the church, and gave himself for it. These words at times have resonated with me so deeply and so profoundly because they describe Jesus Christ and his birth and his coming into the world with two words. And these are the words that have dominated my life. And the first word is savior savior. In the passage that Laurie read from the Gospel of Matthew these words are recorded she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. From the very beginning the very name of Jesus Etymologically founded in the Hebrew word Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, Savior. We find God's intention of coming in person and dwelling among us. God came in person as Savior and writing to a Hebrew audience, Matthew would have known that people would have immediately recognized this name Jesus. Immediately known its meaning and its purpose. This was not without accident that Jesus was so named. He was so named because of what he did and who he was. And what is even more powerful about this is, That when Matthew wrote his gospel, he wrote his gospel, of course, having witnessed the life of Jesus. Having seen how the story developed. Having noticed and recognized the life and the ministry and the teachings of Jesus. Having observed the crucifixion of Jesus. Having witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. And so in writing these words... It might be a vaticinium ex eventu, as they call it. It might have been after the events. But it makes them all the more powerful. Because he knew that Jesus, as Savior, had indeed come and he had witnessed that very incarnational ministry. So these words, while they're written about the birth of Jesus, are written also about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And he had seen him also to be Savior. And a Savior is what the world always needs. I recognize that the humanists and those who look at the human condition with pride have a lot to celebrate and to enjoy. I've never been one to diminish human progress or recognize how things can change for the better. I recognize that humans have done great things and will continue to do great things. The very fact that we have this day, that you at home this very day have a vaccine that could very well save your life is a testimony to human progress. The very fact that we are able to care for one another medically, we're able to educate each other even from afar and a distance. The fact that we are able to go to the outer parts of the universe. The fact that we are able to do amazing things, the fact that even the Toronto Maple Leafs are getting better than they were, I mean human progress, they've got a long way to go yet though and it's still not the playoffs but I digress just for one of you here today, but we have progressed But if we at any point along the way feel, however, that we cease to be human beings, with all our flaws, with all our biases, with all our problems, we deceive ourselves. You see, Jesus came to save us from our sins. And our sins are a part of who we are our sins are part of our sinfulness, our brokenness, our mortality. And no matter how much you might want to try and paper over the cracks of our sinfulness, or tell us that our sinfulness is okay when it isn't, no matter how we might attempt to do that, we cannot fool ourselves And those of you who are listening and watching today know in your own heart, do you not, the imperfection of the human soul? And do you know that you too like all of us needed our prayer of confession today? But the good news is about the saving power of Jesus are his words on the cross. His words on the cross were, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His whole ministry, the embodiment on the cross, is one of self-giving love for the sake of the forgiveness of sins. To call Jesus Savior of our sins is by no means bad news. It is the exact opposite. It is the ultimate good news. For even in the depths of our own depravity, God forgives and God reconciles. This morning over my coffee, I couldn't help but reflect for a moment on dear Desmond. And dear Desmond's plea to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission In South Africa. That for all the findings that they had. Of atrocities. And terrible things. He hoped and he prayed. That the heart of it. Would be truth. But also reconciliation and forgiveness. He spoke. As a follower. Of the savior. Jesus Christ. And that should always be our approach to life and the sin of others even. To follow and emulate the words of Jesus. Forgive them. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. When I look though at the violence that so often besets the human condition, I wonder at times whether we really have progressed. I wonder whether the the Tuareg, I wonder whether the Uyghurs, I wonder whether the Rohingyas, I wonder whether First Nations people and the terrible things that have unfolded here in Canada over the last year would ever tell us, oh, things have just mightily improved. There is still the need in the midst of this for the word of the Savior. And the word of the Savior is this, love one another as I, as I have loved you. How can we hold on to racism? How can we treat people as if they are non-beings? How can we live in a world that moves closer at times to genocide in the light of the Saviour and how can those who proclaim his word not speak for those who are often the silenced if I am proud of the United Church of Canada for anything over these 40 years it is that it has spoken when possible for those who have had no voice And is one of the reasons why I have felt comfortable within my denomination. Though at times, at odds with some of its teachings. I look at death. And I see the power of death. And I see what death does, not to those who have died but to those who continue to live. And there's not one of us who's not watching today, I'm sure, who right now is thinking about someone that they loved who have died. And I might be thinking even here right now in this place of the countless funerals I've done in 23 years, of people who I've loved and adored. And Laurie and I were talking about this this morning. And coming into this place and remembering them as if they're almost still here. Death, you see, is something that no amount of human progress can overturn. But the one thing that can overturn it eternally are the words of Jesus of Nazareth who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall they live. The Savior, the Savior, even into eternity. I'm not sure if Joseph and Mary on that very first Christmas had any idea what their child would become. I can only speculate that they had an insight that if God was going to come in person in the form of their son, something pretty dramatic would occur. But I do not believe they had any conception, any more than Simeon did when he held Jesus in his arms and dedicated him, that this child would be the one who would die on a cross, and be raised on the third day, and be lifted up, And draw all humanity to himself. Savior. A powerful and a good word. The second word is Lord. And I take this from the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, this is the gospel concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to give you a little personal insight here. I'm often asked, and I probably shouldn't say this going for the Bible Society moving forward, but what is your favorite book in the Bible, Andrew? Oh, there is no question. Absolutely no question. I made it clear when we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the book Uh, of the Reformation. It is the book of Romans. This epic work, this enormous statement of faith, this magisterial book by the Apostle Paul was written in order that Jew and Gentile alike may know the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And how in miraculously... As I studied under the great James Dunn in a course at Acadia, it became clear to me that this understanding of the book of Romans bringing Jew and Gentile together was absolutely central to the ongoing life and ministry of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I would like to think, particularly over the last 23 years, or even before in my relations with Rabbi Bulker and others in Ottawa, I would like to think that the relationship that I and this church has fostered over many years with the Jewish community has been a sign of our mutual respect and the belief that the covenant with Israel is inviolable. But so too is that same covenant, extended, I believe, to the Gentiles, to you and to me and to the whole world. The Apostle Paul was writing at a time when the word curios, Lord, applied to so many. It applied to the emperor of Rome. It applied to some of the great senators and Greek thinkers. It applied to those who were in the hierarchy of religions. To powers and principalities. But for the apostle Paul. Unreservedly. Unapologetically. Unashamed. There is one Lord. And that is Jesus Christ. And he went everywhere. Everywhere. Proclaiming that wherever he could. And the more I think of it, and the more I look at the state of our world, the more convinced I am of it. Look, I am not unaware of the problems of the notion of a Lord. I am not unaware of how that can be in conflict with sensitivities about gender. I'm not, I'm not unaware of how it sounds as if it is an extension of some medieval monarchy. I'm aware of all the nuances that are negative about the lordship of Jesus. But I still know of no word and certainly no biblical word that captures the essence of the ministry of Jesus Christ for all people. And what has touched me over the last few days, on Facebook in particular, have been the comments that have been made by my Jewish friends and by my Muslim friends, and even from friends who are questioning whether they have any faith at all. Because, in many ways, in being able to have that conversation, I am at least believing in the Lordship of Jesus, free to engage and love and respect everybody. Knowing that the Apostle Paul knew that Jesus Christ is always the man for others, always the Lord in humble form. I have mused these last few days about my call to the ministry. I might have begun this sermon with my first sermon on a Christmas in a cold River John But my call to the ministry occurred, and some of you know this, at St. George's Cathedral in Cape Town, with great irony today, where Desmond Tutu served. It was in 1979, and it was a gathering of Christians celebrating the South African Christian Leadership Assembly an assembly of thousands of Christians who gathered in Pretoria and then later in Cape Town to proclaim their belief in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In the midst of a land that was severely divided and violent, Nelson Mandela remained on Robben Island and the days ahead seemed very dark. But against all the laws of the time, all the racial segregation enshrined in apartheid law, Christians defied it and came together as all races in St. George's Cathedral. And there were two preachers that evening. So you see, you're lucky just to have this over the time, endured just one sermon at a time in a worship service. Two. Two. The first was by a Colin Urquhart, an Anglican charismatic evangelical healing minister from the United Kingdom who was glorious. But the second one blew my socks off. The second one was by Festo Kevangeri, the Bishop of Uganda, who had defied even the face of assassination the works, and the lordship of Edi Amin. And when this African preacher got up to speak, he had a line and a quote from, you guessed it, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I was riveted to my seat. The quote from Bonhoeffer was this, if you board the wrong train it is no use running along a corridor in the opposite direction. I want to repeat this. If you board the wrong train it is no use running along a corridor in the opposite direction. Kevin Jerry made this point there is only one train on which humanity should alight. And that is the train that follows the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that if a nation or a country or a people or a church denomination does not get on that train, then no matter which direction they may want to run, they will not go with God. But if they go with the Lord and go in the direction that He leads, then they will be going where God wants them to go. As I walked out of the cathedral, we were all in awe and all of us actually got on trains to go back to the suburbs of Cape Town. Two COSA women were there with me as we left the building and as we were about to board a train they just exclaimed to me to Misa in Kosi, Praise the Lord. And as I got on that train, I was forced to go into a car for whites only. And they went on a car for non-whites. I got off in the posh suburb of Pinelands They were going on to the township of poverty, of Gugoletu. But we shared one thing, one thing. We praised the Lord. We praised the Lord. And while right now for us, it may appear that we are going on different trains. And you at Timothy Eaton are heading into a whole new direction. And I am getting off and moving into another direction. Regardless, the words of these women echoes in our ears. Demisa, Inkozy. We praise the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.